Ephesians chapter 5. Pick it up at verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul in verses 15 through 21 is speaking to the congregation as a whole, to the church as a whole. And then in 22 through 33, we hear Paul through the Spirit speaking more specifically to wives and to husbands. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Thus far the reading of God's word. Once again, ask for God's blessing on it. Father, we ask that you open our hearts with your spirit and give Pastor Bob what is needed to speak the truths of your word. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I refer back to a couple of weeks ago. The disclaimer I gave then fits this morning as well as it did a couple of weeks ago. If you don't know what that is, you need to get the tape anyway or the CD. Three things from this passage this morning. First of all, the specific address. Secondly, the specific command. Thirdly, the specific meaning. First of all, the specific address. It would not seem that 
this would be necessary to do, but in the day and age in which we live, with the great uh, conflicts that arise and with the great confusion there seems to be within our society, it probably does need to be stated once again. The words are, husband, love your wives. Husbands are being addressed. And there is a very clear implication that we can draw here. Why? Because the word husband is a masculine noun, and the word wife is a feminine noun. The implication is clear. Husbands, males, are to love their wives, females, not partners. It isn't, man, love your partner. It isn't, woman, love your partner. That is not the word of God. That thought is conjured up not in glory, but in the pit of hell. The Bible is clear. Make no mistake. This isn't some Old Testament passage that sometimes people in churches so easily just dismiss. Well, you know, that's the Old Testament. We've had from the message a couple of weeks ago the very clear teaching of Jesus. We now have the very clear teaching of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. Husbands, male, love your wives, female. Secondly, the address is very clear. Husband, love your wife. There is a defining of roles. We believe, yes, Genesis chapter 124 presents to us a great equality. Male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. There is no difference of worth. There is no difference in far, as far as value is concerned. There is no predetermined God saying men are better than women. That too is not the truth of God's word. That too is designed by the one who is the deceiver, even Satan himself. God created a male and a female equally in his image. But equality does not mean the same in terms of roles. It is very clear from this passage that a command, wives, love your husbands, is not given. Now, does that mean wives shouldn't love their husbands? No. But the definition is clear. God is being very clear. He is saying, husband, you have a very specific responsibility. One that I'm going to underscore, one that I am going to underline that responsibility. I do not underscore and underline for the wife. Paul, through the Spirit here, has been clear in saying, wife, you have a responsibility, you have a role, it doesn't lessen you, it doesn't devalue you, it doesn't make you second rate. Husband, you have a role to fulfill as well. 
So husbands and wives have different roles, different responsibilities, different callings. Husbands are not called to be mothers. It's not a calling. It's not a responsibility. It's not a role. So all the genetics that is going on flies in the face of what God is clearly telling us. And the world is in rebellion against God's creation order. Why do you think that the first attack was on creation? Why do you think that's where this all rises and falls? Why do you think a public school insists on teaching evolution? Because if you can take out Genesis 1, then you take out the distinctiveness of roles. You take out marriage. It all goes away because it all flows from God's creation. That's why we must be so, so fervent in coming back to Genesis and recognizing the truth. Most, if not all, of the consequences we are living with in our society today flow from a failure to recognize God as creator and Christ as redeemer and the spirit as our sanctifier. Thirdly, this is not the only place where husbands are given a specific text. You take your scriptures, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So the same thing he writes to the church at Ephesus, he now writes to the church at Colossae. Husbands, you are to love your wife in such a way that you are not harsh with them. Or we could turn to another human author. Of course, we have one author of the scriptures, and that is God, but we have various human authors. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, addressed specifically to husbands. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, or we could go to Ecclesiastes 9.9. Live joyfully with your wife. Words that are addressed specifically to us as husbands, to those of you who desire to be husbands, to those of you who will someday be husbands. This is the type of husband we who are married are to be. This is the type of husband you are to be to your wife. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Just these words. Husbands, love your wives 
as Christ loved the church. Here is the specific command then, secondly. We are given the command as husbands to love. Acabeo. A word that comes to us in the Greek in a certain form. And the form is a present imperative active. The present tense in Greek means continually, ongoing. It's not husband, love your wife once and you're done with it. All you got to do is love her on the day of your marriage and then you're done. It is the idea of continual, ongoing, never ceasing. It is the idea of a habitual lifestyle that we are called to. And it is in the imperative. In other words, this is not a suggestion. This is not something, well, you might want to consider. This is something that Christ is commanding you. He is looking to you and I right directly in the face and saying, you, as a husband, I command, love your wife. This is the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the one who is captain of the hosts of the Lord. This is the one who is sovereign. This is the one who is the conqueror. This is the one who is your general. He's looking at you. He's looking at me. And he's saying, Bob, love your wife. Habitually, lifestyle-wise, continually. It is a command to love. The active sense means it's by your life, not your words. It's by you, how you live from day to day. It's not the nice present you hopefully bought your wife today. If she's the mother of your children. You don't buy it. You don't purchase it. You live it. Love. And the word here, this, this word that Paul is using to choose, this word that Christ is commanding you to do, means to have the best interests of in mind. See, that's Christ. Christ always has the church's best interests in mind. Christ never thinks of himself first. Christ always thinks of the church first. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It is his desire to bring out the best in us as the church. It is our responsibility as husbands to bring out the best in our wives. And of course, 
that spiritually, first of all. It is to bring out the best of our wife spiritually that we possibly can do upon this earth. That is the way we are to love. One other writer defines it as this way, to choose above all others to show her goodwill. And at first I was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. Goodwill? Yeah, goodwill. That the attitude with which we view our wife is that one that is one that says, I want goodwill, the best. I want you to be the best possible wife, believer, Christian, mother that you can be. And I will do whatever I can to bring that about. That's the love that is being spoken of here. Husbands, love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church. See, guys, the goal here is not to love your wife better than the guy down the street who's beating his wife. Right? That's, that's, not, that's not the standard. The standard is not, oh, boy, that neighbor, wow, did you hear the way he yelled at his wife? Did you hear the names he called his wife? I'm much better than that, aren't I, dear? That's not our standard. Our standard is not the lowest common denominator. Our standard is not to be somehow a better husband than Bill Clinton ever was to Hillary. Right? That, that's not our standard. Our standard isn't even to be equal with the guy next to us in the pew. Our standard isn't not to be, well, you know, I hear the way he talks about his wife, and sometimes I, I'm at least on the same par. I'm not any worse than him, am I? That's not our standard. Nor is our standard some guy who wrote some book on a marriage manual. He's not our standard either. Our standard, men, is Christ. We are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. He's the model. He's the one to be followed. He is the goal. You see, when a husband exhibits that kind of love, of Christ for the church, then you see verse 22 is a lot easier and a lot more blessed. As Christ loved the church, scriptures continually use the picture of the fact that the church is the bride of Christ. She is the one who has been purchased. She is the one who has been bought with his own precious blood. See, this is the specific command. Husband, love as Christ loved the church. His loved one, his chosen. 
There might be a few of you in this room. who might honestly have the answer, I didn't choose to love my wife. I didn't choose her as my wife. I was forced into marrying her. That's not true. Because you chose to get her pregnant. This is not an excuse. You made a decision. And that decision was... To marry her. It's not an excuse. It's not like, well, you know, we never really did have any romance or anything going on. It just, you know, sort of happened. And then her dad came over and said, young man, you're either marrying my daughter or. No, you chose. You made a decision. We all made a decision. And because we have made a decision that this woman, out of all the women of the world, is going to be our wife, it is our responsibility, it is our duty from Christ himself to love. That's the specific command. Now, here, if you thought... This is the hard part? No, this is not the hard part. The next part is the hard part. Because we are commanded to love as Christ loved the church. When I read this text again, the, the first question that popped to my mind was, how does Christ love the church? See, I am commanded... To love Sandy as Christ loves the church. How does Christ love us? What words would we use to describe how it is that Christ loves his own body? The church. Here are six. This is not an exhaustive list. We don't need an exhaustive list because we're going to have a hard enough time with six. First, Christ loves sacrificially. The text tells us that, right? Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a sacrificial love. He emptied himself, Paul writes in Philippians. There was no thought in the love of Christ. What am I getting out of this? It was all for us. It was all for us. He loves us by giving himself up. Bob's agenda. Bob wants this, Bob wants that, Bob wants this, Bob wants that. Bob has to take and pen, exit out. That all has to be gotten rid of, set aside, 
given up for my wife. Much easier said than done. But that's the command. That's Christ's love. That's the model I'm to follow. Not some guy in a book, not the neighbor guy, but Christ. That kind of sacrifice, that kind of giving. Now I can fill in the blank with a whole bunch of things, but that'll probably only get me in a lot of trouble with a lot of you. But I think we can figure out where this goes. It goes with our sports, it goes with our recreation, it goes with our occupation little time, it goes with our commitment to building up our name, our empire. It goes to, well, you know, I'm working these extra hours so I can go out and spend that extra money on myself. So I can buy myself this and I can buy myself that. Okay, you can't complain, dear, I put in my 40 hours for you, but these extra hours, this extra time, that's all for me. He gave himself up for us. Sacrifice it all. Even to death, even to death upon a humiliating cross. You know, the words come easy. You know, if it came down to it, dear, I'd die for you. Really? Would we? Would we? If it really came down to it, would we? Would we really take the bullet for her? Would we? Christ did. Christ willing to. Christ was willing to pay that sacrifice. It's not just words. It's an action. It's a lifestyle. It's the habitual, ongoing. Well, you remember back in 1992. Remember that day in October? Remember that one day? Yeah, you had something going on, and I was going to go hunting, and I said, no, I'm not going to go hunting so you can go do it. Yeah, I remember that one day. No, no, not one day in the past. Ongoing, continual, habitual. Sacrificially. Secondly, Christ loves unconditionally. He loves fully. He loves completely, not partial, not limited. He doesn't somehow say to the church, you know, you've been a bad church this past week. I'm not going to love you. You've been a bad Christian this past week. No, I'm withholding my love from you. You don't deserve my love this week. You don't deserve me loving you sacrificially this week. You don't deserve me loving you as Christ loved the church this week. Christ loves unconditionally. That's pretty deep. Because our habit is give and exchange. I'll give the love if, if, and it's always on a condition. Christ's love is not on a condition for us as the church. 
We've entered into this covenant. We are entered into a relationship. That's what you and I have with our wives, men. We have a covenant with our wives. An unconditional covenant to love. Remember those vows? Remember what we said? We're going to love and honor and cherish. In sickness and in health. In every situation of life, wasn't conditional. When we stood before that minister and those people and repeated our vows, it's not conditional today either. Hasn't changed. Christ loves unconditionally. Thirdly, Christ loves purely. Christ does not love for selfish intent. Christ does not love for personal gain. Christ does not love to gain points or privileges or brownie points. He's not keeping tally. He loves purely. Purely not only in terms of motive, but purely in terms of the one object of his desire is the church. This is who he loves. And he doesn't share that love with others. When Jesus speaks the words in Matthew chapter 5, he who looks upon a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Understand, Christ never looks at somebody outside of the church lustfully. Oh, I wish I had them. His love is always pure. It's the kind of love, men. It's the kind of love. Nobody else has that object of your affection. Nobody else gets that look. Nobody else gets the gaze. Nobody else gets the stare. Just her. Because that's the way Christ looks at his bride, the church, with pure eyes. Fourth, Christ loves continually. Continually. I've kind of pointed it out before, but I, I think it bears repeating because, because oftentimes we have as husbands, can be so withholding, right? We, we can kind of tuck it all in and, no, I'm not going to give you my love today. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to guard that. You did something and now I'm going to keep my love. Christ's love is a continual love. He not only commands it. Husbands, love your wife. Present, imperative, active. He does it. Christ follows his own command. He does this for you and I. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. 
His love is always ever present. Fifth, Christ loves graciously. I do not deserve the love of Christ. I never merited the love of Christ. I never cooked a meal so good that Christ had to say, I just got to love that Bob because, man, did he grill a good steak for me. I never earn it. I never, I never deserve. In fact, I mess up a lot as part of this church, as part of his body. I even sin. I, I sin against him. But he still loves graciously. He still loves me in spite of that. He loved me even when I was his enemy. He loved me. didn't have to measure up. I didn't have to meet some certain criteria and then I would love, he would love us as Christ loved the church. I can't set some sort of bar and standard as a husband and say, when my wife does this, when my wife does this, then I will love her as Christ loves the church. My example is Christ who loves graciously no matter how many dents in the car I am to love no matter how high and this is not my wife so don't I, I, I gotta be cautious here okay no matter how high the laundry piles no matter how many dishes are on the sink No matter how unkempt she may become. See, now you know for sure it's not my wife. I am to love. Because it's never making a bar that says, okay, now you have achieved. If that were to be true, I'm going to spend an eternity in hell. Because I will never meet the standard even the smallest standard, because there is not one good thing in me outside of Christ. He loves me graciously. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And lastly, Christ loves daily. Yesterday, Christ loved me. Today, Christ loves me. Tomorrow, Christ will love me. And there is nothing that can separate me from his love. Men, do your wives feel that way? Do they feel that, yes, I know he loved me yesterday. Yes, I know he loves me today. 
and I am assured, absolutely convinced, beyond all shadow of doubt, that he will love me tomorrow. Because that's how Christ loves me. That's how Christ loves the church. I told you six were enough. But I'd challenge you. Men, go home and think about it. Are there other ways that Christ also loves the church? Are there more? We need, we need part two of this because this was the way Pastor Bob's mind was working on this. This, this were some of the commentaries that Pastor Bob read. and These were some of the things that Pastor Bob gleaned. But, you know, as I think about it, I see Christ loving the church this way too. And I see Christ loving the church this way. And Christ loving the church that way. Not because we need more to beat on our heads with. But we need more to glorify Christ with. Because that's really what this is about, isn't it? This is not so much about our failure as husbands. This is about Christ's success as a husband. This is about the glory of Christ's love. And now I'm to go home. And I as a husband am to love my wife as Christ loves the church. What a privilege. What a privilege, men. I told you we were called out here, right? This is the privilege that God gives to us as husbands. We have the privilege of going home today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives, and to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Wives, give him the opportunity. Because that's what Christ does with us gives us the opportunity to love. Father, thank you for your word, challenging words. And yet, Father, we know that these words were not given to make us feel horrible as husbands. These words were given to challenge us as husbands in a world and in a society that desperately needs to see the love of Christ exemplified in our marriages. What a witness, what a testimony to the world. Father, thank you. Thank you for godly men in this congregation who seek to love their wife as Christ loved the church. In his name. God's people say,